Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome back to New Books in Hindu Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkaran. Today, I get to speak with Tim Bruce. Now, Tim Bruce is actually uh, responsible for the voiceover for an audiobook. This is the first time on the channel that we're covering an audiobook, and it's a very significant audiobook because it's very much related to my own research. So, hello, Tim, and welcome to the program. Hello. Maybe you sound guilty. Mea culpa. Yes, I'm responsible for this audiobook. He's he's responsible for it. It's all, it's all his doing. But he didn't work alone, though. He he had help. He did a lovely voiceover, which we'll sample uh, uh, towards the end of the program. But your voiceover was of what? What did you? What what is? Uh, um, what is it that you did a voiceover of? What are the contents of this? You mean that? I don't, I don't understand the question. Sorry. Are you talking about the Devi Mahabhamiyam or not? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, basically, uh, yeah, we've, re- we've recorded the whole of the book as an audio book, and we've added in some other things as well to give it a, a little bit more of an interesting spread. So we've got the Devi Kavach in there and also the Sri Siddha Kunjika Stotram, so, uh, which is, of course, the, the Devi Mahabhamiyam in Bija form. So uh, Tim has recorded a, a Sanskrit text called the Devi Mahatmyam that is really the seminal text or the, 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 at least the first uh, narrative account of the Mahadevi of the goddess. It's really Indeed. the first yeah. Devi text in ancient India. And um, he uh, did a voiceover of a translation by Lyndall Verko. Do you want to tell us a bit about how you guys connected and how the project started? Um, well, I've been, uh, it's been in my mind for a long time to do something about Devi Mahatmyam. I even did a, a short stage play of it some time ago for, for some Navaratri celebrations way back in like 2001 or something. Um, so it's been in my mind for a while. Um, but it was only when Lindell came up with this, this fantastic translation. It's, it's so lyrical. It flows, um, as we know, so many of the the translations that, that have been in existence are rather stilted, um, very worthy and very accurate, but they don't flow well as a story. And, and essentially it is a story, a devotional story to the goddess. Um, and she captured that spirit perfectly. Um, and so we've, we've, we've both been meditating for a number of years. Um, and I was, I was aware that she was working on this project for a while. Um, and so when it was published, uh, I instantly got in contact with her and said, hey, we, we should definitely do an audiobook of this because like all, all good language, it really only exists when it's spoken. It, it only has its full effect, especially Sanskrit, um, when it's actually vibrational sound form. That's when it has its effect on the chakras. That's when it has its true um, spiritual potential. And that's when the Kundalini truly responds. Otherwise, if it's just going through our head, it's a, it's a mental process, essentially. I mean, it still touches our emotions, but not in the same way as sound, as mantra. So this is why it had to be a, an audio book, really, for me. Um, and it's, it's mostly in English, but there are moments as well where we introduce Sanskrit mantras. And as I said, we're, we're doing Kunjiga Stotram, which is entirely in Sanskrit Bija mantras. Well, you've preempted a couple of the questions I was going to ask you. One was why an audiobook? Why, you know, what is it that's added by the, 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 the audio dimension? And certainly you've touched on this idea that, you know, 
uh, in the Indian context, sound is sacred and texts are intoned, right? The sacrality yeah. of Sanskrit, for example. And, and but, this, but not only that, I mean, the particular quality of Sanskrit is that it's, it is the, the Devanagari, the Devavani, it, because it is the language of Kundalini. The, the very building blocks of Sanskrit language, the vowels, the consonants, are based upon the sounds which the Kundalini makes as it goes through the system, through the channels, through the chakras. So all, for example, in, the, in this center here, the Vishuddhi chakra, those 16 sounds are essentially the vowels plus a few other sounds of Sanskrit. That's, that makes up the petals of the Vishuddhi chakra. So um, this is where Sanskrit is coming from. And this is why it's such an elemental language. That's why it's so a powerful, like, such a powerful mantric language. Um, and why it has so much more effect when it's spoken rather than simply read. But the same is true of Shakespeare and Blake and all of these intuitive writers. Um, Gibran, um, Shankaracharya, obviously, but he's also writing in Sanskrit. They, you know, they, they still, they have that intuitive connection with language um, that goes to its spiritual power. So then you've obviously, you're obviously steeped in Indian culture, Indian thought, Indian practice. It seems that you're, you're familiar with a sort of a tantric paradigm. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your sort of the journey uh, that, that afforded this insight into the, 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 the relationship between Sanskrit and Kundalini, for example. Um, well, most of my understanding is coming from, um, from Srimataji Nimal Devi. So uh, I've been practicing Sahaja Yoga meditation for about, well, more than 30 years, about 32 years. So it's largely through her, um, because with her, everything begins with Atma Sakshatkar, begins with Kundalini awakening. Um, and so once the, the system is enlightened, then you can bring it further into balance. You can bring the chakras into balance. Um, but through, it's only through that connection, you see, through the Sahasrara, that this is truly possible, that it's truly possible to go into that, uh, that spiritual awakening state. Otherwise, uh, if, we're, if we're still working on right and left, you know, like pranayama can bring you into the center, but it doesn't necessarily awaken the Kundalini and take you beyond. It will bring you into the central channel because, it, because it, uh, the mana and the prana are brought into balance but it doesn't necessarily awaken Kundalini and take you beyond that into the thoughtless state, the, um, the nirvichara state, and beyond nirvichara, thoughtless state, into doubtless state, which is nirvikalpa. Uh, and it's only when you really fully establish that state that everything comes fully into balance and you really start to progress properly. Now, could you say the name again of the, of the Mata whom you, you took in? So, yes. so it's um, Srimataji. Nirmala Devi, Srimataji Nirmala Devi, and her process is called Sahaja Yoga, Sahaja Yoga. So, uh, I mean, Canada, for example, you can go to freemeditation.com or there's sahajayoga.org you can look at and that'll, that'll point you in into the, the right direction, whatever country you're in, because it's all over the world. I mean, so, so in terms of the content of the audiobook, you it's a it's a close recording, it's a close translation and narration of the Devi Mahatmya, these these acts of the Mahadevi. Absolutely. Um, yeah. There's also more, and you, you mentioned it. There's also uh, you include the the Kavacha and the um Kunjiga Stotram. Why those two? Or or why at all include the Sanskrit uh, uh, stotrams? Um as I said, the um 
because it takes it to another level. It takes it to another level of depth. So the, as you said, the, the Devi Mahatmyam relates the acts and relieves, it, it, um, it reveals sorry, the, the different aspects of the goddess uh, in her different forms and how she protects us from various forms of um, evil, of negativity, one can say, um, and how those are almost personified in particular demonic personalities. Um, and those personalities are reflected in the world around us today, definitely, very, very much so. Um, not necessarily that they're incarnate forms, um, but they are kind of personified in certain traits uh, that, that are unfortunately within us as well. Um, there are definitely aspects of, of those asuras and rakshasas which have somehow, through various ideas and conditionings, have actually sort of found their way and rooted themselves into the into the innocent people, um, and it's these are quite destructive, dangerous ideas, um, and some and to some extent the the problem of materialism is 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 has led to the problem of environmental problems, um, very much so in the in you know, the current situation, um, and these. So what happened? Well, the Devi Kavach is is it moves on from the uh, from the Devi uh, Mahatmyam insofar as that it's awakening very specifically each of the Shakti powers which protect us from those um, those negativities. So by awakening the positive within us, it gives less chance for the negativity to come into that space. As you know, chakras are like spinning energy centers, and they absorb. They very much absorb the negativity of the world around us. Um, so by having the, the power of that chakra very strong, it's less, less, less and less possible that any kind of negativity can enter in and then cause physical problems, mental problems, emotional problems. They're all reflected within us in the chakras and the channels. And then to move on to uh, Siddha Kunjika Stotram is again the same idea, but again a much stronger form. So we talked about Bija Mantras, again invoking those Shakti powers and invoking those powers which destroy that negativity. Um, and that's what Navarachi is essentially about. It's about, um, it is about evolving beyond those six enemies, uh, you know, the, uh, basically the lust, anger, greed, attachment, um, um, jealousy and pride, and also doubt on the top chakra, the seventh one you could call it. And it's about moving beyond those things which bind us and limit us and stop those chakras from opening and from us evolving. As well as the grantis, you know, those those knots of illusion which bind us. On each of the chakras there's a there's a negative force which is preventing that pure divine quality within us from manifesting. Because that's what Kundalini is. It's the reflection of the divine mother within us. And this is Markandeya talks about that very clearly. That the divine mother is also reflected within us. And by saying these mantras, by, by reading this story, it's awakening that within us and strengthening that quality within us. So it, it, it is especially working on the heart chakra. Um, Devi Mahatmyam is very much strengthening the heart chakra and that feeling of protection, of uh, security, um, of motherliness. Because these are, this is what the mother of the universe wants. It wants us to reunite with her, to fully understand her and realize her. And the only way to do that is to awaken it from within, each individual from within.
And so is this process, um, is this process affected uh, by listening alone, just by listening to uh, the, the stotrams that, that you've recited or the, or the narrative? It, it, does that have effect, the act of listening to it? It does, yes. I mean, the effect is further increased if you, if you, if you have full understanding of what, what it is, which is why sometimes it's better to do it in English than Sanskrit, because the consciousness is there. You understand exactly what is being said and what is being described. Um, but then again, the Sanskrit itself has a, has a higher vibrational frequency in terms of the resonance, if you see what I mean. But if you don't understand what's being said completely, sometimes it's not as, not as good. <laughs> Not as good, especially if you're reciting it yourself, I find. Mm. Mm. You, so, should under, you should understand what it is that's being said, essentially. Right. In addition to the stotrams and the narrative, you have come up with some original music for this audiobook. Could you tell us a bit about that process and the music you came up with? Um, well, some time back, I studied in uh, a college in Vaitana, a music academy, um, BK Salvi Academy of Music, and I was studying under Pandit Aranapte there, and he was researching essentially into the into the close correlation between the notes, the ragas, and the chakras. How these correlate? So there are seven notes in the scale, and there are seven basically seven chakras. So um, that's a very simple correlation. Um, so the first note is the first chakra, second note is the second chakra, and so on. Um, but also when you go into the ragas. Um, these also have a, a particular correlation. And it happens that the rag durga, the five-note pentatonic rag, um, sari, ma, padasa, um, is very much connected also with goddess durga, obviously, but also with the center heart, the center heart chakra. So there's a very close correlation with that. So it made sense to put that um, stotram into rag durga and make a composition based on rag durga. So um, there's, a, there's a certain degree of science to it, but also it's also about um, awakening that more devotional side of it. But the more you can put it into the musical th aspect, the more you can put that, that heart quality, that more devotional, emotional side to it also. So the, the bhakti is also there. Um, so again, it's another element. It's another, and as we know, the, the Devi responds very, very readily to, to bhakti. It's uh, you could almost say it's uh, the food, food of the gods, food for the gods is, is the bhakti from us. Um, uh, and, and it excites um, more response. So the very first thing you start off with, uh, before the narrative, before the, 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 the Sanskrit verses, if I'm not mistaken, you start off with the Palashruti. Uh, the audiobook starts off with the, the benefits, uh, the the, the, the yeah. Of, of hearing of the hearing of the of the text, can you tell us about that and and why why the audiobook starts off with that? Um, well, again, that's that's how the Devi Mahapyam starts. So it's a, it would it would be a bit um, it would be an, an edit to, to take it out. Um, so it's traditional. So that's one reason. Um, that's what Markandeya intended. Is another reason, um, but also because it. It, it focuses the mind on why we're listening to it and, and, and the way that we should be listening to it. Um, I mean, you can take it at numerous different levels, of course. I mean, it is essentially, at one level, a child's folktale about the Divine Mother. I mean, you can, it's very much a, a story about um, a king 
uh, who's thrown out of his kingdom and a merchant who was basically kicked out by his greedy family um, looking for meaning and uh, looking for solace. And they find it in the story that's related to them by Sage Midas when they go to his hermitage. Um, so the, the, the way you listen to it or with what depth you listen to the story or with what intent has a correlation to what you get out of it. I didn't realize, I didn't realize that the, the version that you were translating or that was translated by Lindahl uh, starts off with Holashruti. Typically, I find it in chapter 12, the penultimate chapter before the end frame with the king and the merchant. But I think it is a great way to, 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 to begin the narrative because then the sort of what's in it for me or the sort of you know, mood with which to listen is, is set out right, right at the beginning. Um, it, from what you're saying, from what I'm hearing, from what you're saying, it, you feel this, this myth, this narrative is very timely. It's a timely story. Absolutely. Can you say yeah. more about that? Um, well, things are, there's a sense that things are moving a little bit towards ahead as, as we kind of come to, well, we can see things that seem to be speeding up in the world around us. The, the whole, uh, um, the climate issue, all kinds of social issues. There's a, there's, a, there's a feeling that things are coming a little bit to a head, that humanity is kind of reaching a bit of a crossroads with itself. Um, and also with, obviously, COVID, um, which is very much affecting directly the, the, the heart chakra and, and also the lungs and going up into the throat. Um, it's very much attacking that whole area of us, of our being, um, which the Devi Mahatmyam is protecting. I mean, David Kabach is literally like the protection of the goddess, the armor of the goddess, the weapons. Um, but that weapon is essentially love. Um, and we have well, there's such a need for humanity to wake up, unfortunately, before it, before it could, it is potentially a crunch time where if we don't wake up, we could end up destroying ourselves. I mean, we're also in a situation where there's a developing um, political crisis between India and China, which is, isn't that much talked about here. I don't know how much it's talked about in Canada or America, but it has the potential to blow up very easily. Um, just as much as the Syrian situation, we managed to keep a lid on that, but it still has the potential to, to light the powder cake of World War Three. So there are, there are various situations which are going on, and as the climate crisis worsens, the food crisis and the water crisis will worsen. Um, so there, there are a lot of pressures which could build very quickly and very sharply. And if you add on top of that um, COVID crisis, and then potentially more and more countries as that bites get into economic crisis, so there are a lot of potential problems that could beset humanity. So humanity needs to kind of mature and wake up a little bit and come to its, come to its senses to some extent um, in order to survive possibly. It has to get its realization, essentially. The, the Kundalini awakening is self-realization. That's what it is. And this is what Shumadaji has talked about so many times, that you can only truly transform the world by transforming individuals, by, by transforming each human being. Um, I, I want to 
bracket off that idea of kundalini awakening and self-realization, I think I'll circle back with a question. But the more immediate question now is that, well, then who, who would benefit from this book? Who should be listening to it? Is it uh, is, uh, is the audio book particularly geared to those who share the, 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 the worldview or the initiation into the, 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 the tantric vision of the subtle body and Kundalini awakening? Is it for anyone who loves uh, uh, <laughs> children's stories and fairy tales and, 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 and tales of old from the Puranas? Is it for folks on a spiritual journey? Like, who would you say would really um, get much out of this audio book? Well, potentially anybody that likes a great story, because I think it's one of the greatest stories ever told, possibly the greatest story ever told, because it really cuts to the core of, of existence and, and, you know, why we're here and what's it all about and how to actually put it into practice. Um, it's, it's there. It's written in a lot of detail, but it's also a great story. Uh, I mean, one of my worries is that, unfortunately, it may only have a, a narrow cultural appeal because of where it's coming from rather than where it's going to. Um, but that, that speaks more about people's reluctance to, to move into new areas, really. Um, it is an ancient Sanskrit epic, and so it, it, it can come, you know, as if it's bailed in a certain cultural baggage. Um, but that's not the case at all with a story. It's a very um, universal story. It's about the universal mother. Uh, it happened that Markandeya, because of his, of his enormous depth, was the first person anywhere in the world to understand what the Adishakti, the Divine Mother, was. Um, there were others around that time, or just afterwards, but they weren't able to describe it in, in anything like as much detail. Um, it's interesting that even Adi Shankaracharya, you know, he, he, he wrote in detail about all these different elements, uh, about um, the mechanics of the spiritual body, etc. But then just by the end of it, gave up and wrote Sandarya Lahari. You know, uh, it became more about the devotional aspects. So uh, let, maybe I'll ask you. So in terms of the relationship between, in your view, um, in your view, the, the, the Devi Mahatmya is a text that is, it's, it's obviously intrinsically valuable as narrative in the way that narrative encodes ideology. It, it sort of transforms the consciousness, but it is particularly transformative in that it is a narrative which is geared towards the awakening of Kundalini. Yes. And that awakening of Kundalini is tantamount to self-realization, in your view. Yes. Is it possible? I mean, it, it isn't necessarily always going to happen. Um, but it depends, again, because it depends on the pure desire of the listener. Uh, it, it depends on what they want and how they approach it. If you approach it in a very kind of sort of arrogant way, saying, well, all right, prove it, um, then it's not really going to happen. But if you kind of open yourself to, okay, let's, let's, let's see, let's see what, what, what can happen here. Um, if you open yourself to it in a, in a, in a humble way, I, I suppose, um, uh, in an inquiring way, an innocent way, then it's very likely that the, your pure desire, which is the pure desire of the Kundalini and the pure desire of the mother for you to rejoin her, come together in that moment of self-realization. It's propelled by pure desire. Uh, what can I say? That's, that's what it's made of. <laughs> what, is your, um, what was your favorite part or parts of the narrative to record? Oh, 
Um, it's hard. To, it's hard to sort of pinpoint a, a very particular moment. Um, probably the well, probably that well, I think it's chapter eleven, isn't it? Where it's it's the praise. Narayani, the most. Yeah, the Narayani praises. Those are those are wonderful. Oh, um, those, and yes. you go beyond that moment where you know all the all the kind of all the shadows and all the negativity and all the all the crud is is there's none of it lurking in the shadows anymore. It's been eradicated, and you can just enjoy existence with that uh, in the in the ever loving presence of the Divine Mother. Well, the the praises are certainly exalted, and, and one can easily be carried away by them, and then then return to the mud of life when one is done, unless one is established in that state. Permanently, but they're beautiful praises for those of you listening. Uh, the Devi Mahatma has four hymns, two are sort of uh, hymns of invocation, calling upon the Devi in chapters one and five, and two are thanksgiving hymns, exalting the glories of the Divine Mother, mm-hmm. having uh, done her, her her divine duty to 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 quell the evil forces and restore peace and balance. Well, that, that Devi Suktam is also a wonderful thing where it, it, it talks about um, to the Devi who resides in all beings as. Uh, and then it goes through this long list of qualities like uh, um, shakti, um, lajja, thirst, modesty. Yeah, all these things, matru, mother, all these things, shanti, peace, um, and there's forgiveness as well. I mean, there's so many things, and it's really interesting to to invoke that quality again, invoke that quality and imbibe it and yes, that's, that's radiate it, manifest it. That hymn is in chapter five, one of the hymns of invocation, and the, the Thanksgiving hymns are in chapters four and 11. Now, it's interesting that hymn, uh, how we got in touch is I ended up doing a, a, a talk on uh, Tantra and the Devi Mahatmya at the um, Oxford Center for Hindu Studies online, weekend online school, and Daniel Simpson, who's a, a, a tutor there, and he was also a speaker for, for the, the online weekend school, put us in touch uh, and here we are <laughs> a week later talking about the Devi Mahatma for the podcast but um, one of the themes that really struck me as I was dissertating on the text that I think I'll return to because it was the basis of this talk I filed it away to kind of pick up at some later time is this this utter emphasis on embodiment the Devi is, is embodied she lives in in, in all beings, I mean, the gods on high are casting their eyes uh, heaven-bound to invoke the Mahadevi, and they're invoking her as in all beings in their very biorhythms and very hunger, thirst, and also virtues like modesty, you know. And I find that nowhere in the text does she ever emerge out of thin air. She always emerges out of a body. I think that's really, really important. She always emerges out of a body. And that lends credence to the idea that this, is always, this always was a tantric text. Uh, coded, right? You don't see much tantric um, uh, overt philosophy or theology in the text, but then the narrative itself bespeaks this idea of an indwelling primordial force in all beings. And so it's, it, it, one can easily make the argument that this text, uh, that Mark and Dea or the authors of this text always had a sort of tantric view of um, the feminine divine flowing through all things in what we may now call Kundalini. Now, of course, the text doesn't make mention of either Tantra or Kundalini, but I think one can make the argument that the narrative demonstrates uh, knowledge of those ideas or realities. Well, certainly Makandeya had knowledge of Kundalini as the, as the, as the 
reflection within us, definitely. That's definitely the case. Um, and also, I mean, it's, it's not true also that, that only the, only the deity is there. I mean, because she's the mother of the gods, it's only through her that they can, they can manifest as well as incarnations, like Rama, Krishna, Christ even, Buddha, Mahavir, Muhammad even. They're, I mean, they're, they're all within her in the same way that they're also within the chakras. But this is perhaps not an idea that's that, that commonly known is that the chakras themselves have guiding principles and those deities that you mention are reflected within those chakras also. That's, this, is, this is why, for example, um, uh, Sri Yama gives uh, his, uh, the hair to the Devi, um, Kubera gives the nose to the deity, um, Krishna gives some, uh, the, is it the throat, I think it is, isn't it? So the, this, is, this is why, is because they're reflected within her. And within the chakras at those points so there's a direct correlation between that but she's the mother of them all but in a way you can only fully access any of them through her so that's that's why the reflection of her within us is so important why was this released august 11 2020 i imagine that it's well timed for Navratri. yes uh, it was time for Navaratri. Well, shame it wasn't a little bit earlier, but we weren't able to get it out earlier. Um, I think I believe it was uh, Krishna Jayanti on that day, eleventh of August. Um, but that was that was a, a happenstance, <laughs> or not by design. It, um, so um, yeah, that that was basically the date Audible were able to give us. So it's available on Audible, Audible.com, Audible.co.uk, Audible.ca, and. And Australia and all over India as well, so you can get it on Audible, and they basically gave us the date of of eleventh of August as a as a release date, so that it it came. But it is well timed in that in uh, this is the waxing cycle. I think the moon fills in three days, so then in about two two and a half weeks we begin Navaratri. From that yeah. So it's well timed. Seventeenth of October. I'll ensure that the the recording gets published in time for. For Navaratri, I'll have them put a rush on it if need be. And that's a time when the Devi Mahatmya or the Chandipat is chanted and ritually intoned um, throughout all of Hindudom, throughout the world, really, at this point. Yeah. Uh, there's something considered uh, 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 purificatory, if not salvific, and certainly energizing about the act of hearing the glories of the goddess. Uh, oh, it's uh, an act of devotion. I mean, the, the creation of the book and, and Lindell's creation of the text is, uh, was also it's a, an act of devotion. That's lovely. So um, you all can actually sample it um, on the house. They've provided us a link that I'll put in the, in the podcast description where you can go and listen to uh, chapter one on YouTube. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. It's an unlisted video, so you can only access it through the through that particular link. Translation: This is an esoteric initiation only for the listeners of this podcast. <laughs> you can have that link. Well, it's it's Guhya. <laughs> kind of for people. This, yeah. I mean, it's, you can share it around a little bit, but not too much. <laughs> <laughs> just like just like an esoteric <laughs> your mantra, isn't that the idea? Huh? Just like an esoteric teaching or a mantra, you know, like it's, you know, you should keep it quiet, but you can share it here and there. You never know. Um, well, the, I mean, the whole thing's unaudible. 
I mean, it's not yeah, as if it's and, hidden or anything. But um, uh, that's great. So is there anything else you wanted to tell us about the recording or the book or the process or anything at all about the day? Um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I mean, if you want to go more into detail about self-realization and how and, and what that that technique of Sahaja Yoga is about. Sure, make- I'll, I'll, ask you, I'll ask you the question that I had in mind earlier and then you can maybe answer okay. it for those who are in the audience who are more spiritually inclined or, or who are practitioners. Uh, there's probably a variety of members in the audience, some of whom are, are many of whom are, are scholars and students, continuing studies folks, undergrads and the like, and there are definitely yeah. practitioners among them. So the question is this, okay? There, there one can posit this correlation between uh, awakened kundalini and self-realization. My question is, is it not such that one can be realized without having awakened the kundalini? And is it not such that one can have their kundalini awakened without being self-realized? Is that the case or no? I, I believe they're one and the same thing. Um, without kundalini awakened, it's quite... Uh, I don't know of anybody that's without Kundalini awakening that's been able to get over the um, the Bhavasaga, the void, um, and to go above this chakra, the Agya chakra. Because in order to get self-realization, the Kundalini has to pass through the Agya chakra into the Sahasrara chakra. And that's, that's where the, the yoga takes place. That's where the union takes place. Um, and without passing Agya, you either you go into the ego or, or you go into the super ego. So you're thrown right or left. You're thrown either into uh, tamas or rajas, to use the gunas. You're, uh, you have to go through, through the Akya Chakra into the Sahasrara to, really, to be able to sustain thoughtlessness. So then has the Devi Mahatmya been part of your own personal uh, sadhana? So has it been a practice for you in some way? Um, it's been part of it. Um, it's the, the, main, the main part of, of what I do is, is to practice thoughtless meditation. Um, and mantras are a part of that. And awakening those qualities of the Devi within the chakras, within the system, is also a major part of that. So if, for example... Um, they, uh, I can't think of, a, of an example, but if, for example, to, if you have fear in the heart, if you have a problem in the center heart chakra, which is of anxiety or fear, um, then you need to awaken the pure quality of that chakra in order to um, develop that chakra and remove that fear. So particularly Durga, is, uh, Jagadamba, is the one for that center to awaken her qualities within you. Um, so from, from, well, from that respect, yes, but the, the main point is to be in thoughtless awareness. Thoughtless awareness is, is for me, what meditation is, uh, and that's where we grow. Uh, to be thinking about it isn't, for me, meditation at all. It's still activity in the Agya Chakra, um, and activity of the Agya Chakra, is, for me, is not meditation at all. So given the Devi's um, penchant for, um, for battle, for conquest, for victory, you know, Jayatom Devi Chamunde, you know, this is, this is the, the, the penchant of the Mahadevi, certainly in the narratives. Would one then, to use the sort of the, 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 the subtle body scheme that you're, you're operating within, 
would one then not say that the energy of the Devi Mahatmya is very Manipura or very uh, um, um, third chakra in terms of its activation of this this courage or this fire or this 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 valor this 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 project towards victory? Um, in its aspect as Narayani, yes, it's more to do with Manipur, but the, essentially Durga and, the, and Jagadamba, the, the mother of the universe, is very much connected with heart. But it goes, but as Adi Shakti, it goes to the essence of everything. So Adi Shakti is very much on the Sahasrara. It's all, it's all interrelated. It's hard to, to divide it up into bits and pieces. But, uh, and there are different aspects within that. But Adi Shakti, the divine mother, is the whole thing. And it's only in the Sahasrara Chakra that you get the whole thing. All of those elements come together, um, and which is why you have to go to the Sahasrara in order to really fully awaken and actualize all those different elements in all the other chakras, because they are integrated in the Sahasrara Chakra in that thoughtless state. And Adi Shakti is the deity of the Sahasrara. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. Uh... For those listening, we've been speaking with Tim Bruce, who you might have gathered has a sweet and melodious voice, which he uses for his work. <laughs> and the latest example of which is a voiceover of a translation in English of the Devi Mahatmya, the glory of the goddess in time for her festival. So by all means, check out his uh, work on Audible. You can link to the, the YouTube uh, version of chapter one in the podcast description. Tim, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today about the mystery of the Devi Mahatmya. Thank you. Until next time, for those of you out there, um, I was going to say keep reading, but this is our first audiobook. <laughs> I usually say keep reading. Keep listening. Keep, yeah, I usually say keep reading and keep listening, but I'll say keep listening and keep listening. <laughs> Stay safe and rejoice in the glory of the Devi. Amen.